The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and I am all abuzz this morning for many reasons and nervous. Uh, first of all, I just have to give a disclaimer. You know how uh, you envision things going a certain way and they always go a different way. I just want you to know that uh, because we're still doing uh, our, our show from home, although we're very excited that very soon we're going to be back in studio and new studio and very happy about that, we're still doing things from home, which means I have dogs um, that are, you know, going to make noise. And uh, my next door neighbors have decided that today is the day that they want to cut down all of their trees. So fingers crossed, we're hoping that they stay quiet for (laughs) for the next hour. But I'm just going to guess that that's not how it goes, because that's not how my life goes. So bear with me, we're going to see how this goes. Uh, and we're already having tons of other fun things going on this morning, but it's live. And part of live is the excitement of anything could happen. So I'm Shannon, thrilled to be here with you. Very excited about today's show and today's guest and, and all the things that we're going to talk about and to be here with you. The chat is open now. We are live. It is the 7th of February, 2022. Lots going on, lots to talk about. Um, And if you want to talk with us, you can do this in myriads of different ways. So we're live right now on YouTube, Facebook. Good morning, Ka. And we're also live in about a dozen other places, including uh, autismnetwork.com and autism-live.com. So you can check us out live any of those places, but we are also streaming live to a bunch of other places and podcasting later on today. Good morning, Amanda, with your blue heart. So thrilled to hear you and see you. So you can see uh, Traven is showing you a bunch of places where we are live right now. I can hear the chainsaw warming up. Is <laughs> just like the death knell uh, that it's coming. Uh, should be really fun. Uh, oh, Amanda, right there with you, girl. Uh, okay, so uh, thrilled that you guys are here. But there are many places to watch the show, many places to listen to the show. We're, I'm sort of wanting to take a straw poll from people because a lot of people are finding us now in podcasts, which is really wonderful. But overwhelmingly, people are just doing the audio podcast. And that's fabulous because, you know, you can take us for a walk. You can take us in the car. And I guess I'm wanting to know from people if... Um, if it's because they prefer it in audio or they don't know that they can get it audio video, because that sort of determines where we channel 
energy to. So I uh, would love to know what you guys' preferences are about that. And if you're not watching live, you can always write into us. We have a, 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 a chat. There's a, a place where you can write in. I think chat's a little a bit of a misnomer because it implies that we can have a conversation back and forth. And it's not that it's a place where you can submit things on our website, autism live.com. It says chat, um, but no one can talk right back to you. You can write something there and then I can respond to you here. Or if you give me your email, I can respond back to you that way. Um, but you can always email me. It's that's probably easier. It's Shannon at autism live.com. I love to hear from you guys. I get much back much quicker on the emails. So Shannon at autism-live.com. Can I tell you, we love when you guys interact with us. It's just our favorite thing. And, and so whatever way you choose to interact, we, we just love the conversation, honestly. And we learn from it and it helps us to know what direction we should go in because we do, our motto here is to be, um, about in, information and inspiration for the autism community. And we say, when we say autism community, that starts with individuals who are on the spectrum, of course, but it also includes everyone who loves those individuals. That's what we mean when we say the larger autism community, and we want to be of service to everyone in that community, because we believe that together, si se puede, right? We hold hands, we get there together. Ka. Uh, says, I enjoy watching live as I feel it's more personal, more like a conversation. And I love that. Uh, it's why we still do live shows. We do some pre-recorded shows now, but we were called Autism Live. We feel like we should do some live shows and have that real, I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm an old theater girl. So I love that aspect of live and anything can happen live. Of course, there are some things that you can do better if you film ahead of time, but I like the live thing. And I love being able to interact like this in real time. So thank you for telling us, Kyle. We'd love for more people to write in and tell us what their preferences are. Because we're making decisions as we move forward about what kinds of things and when and how and so on and so forth. So uh, thrilled to be here. As I said, we've got a great guest today. We're going to be talking about a book that, believe me, all of you are going to be talking about it. You should be talking about it. It's called Free Marcus Cats. And I can't wait. The author is here with us today to talk about this new book that just came out the other day. And um, spoiler alert, I just loved it. Okay. So uh, in fact, I'm driving people crazy talking about it all weekend long. So can't wait to talk with Howard Chesley, who is the author. It is available right now on Amazon, free Marcus Katz. You're going to want to get it. So you know, take a second and be looking that up while we're talking here. But uh, I do always, that's going to be a little bit later on in the show. I always like to give the disclaimer here at the start of the show that please don't mistake me for being an autism expert because I'm not, nor am I trying to play one on the internet. That is not what I'm here about. You know, I try to keep it real. Uh, I am a very proud mom of a young man who was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half. And I adore every thing that he does, says, and is, and wouldn't change a hair on his head. And uh, I'm thrilled for the journey that we have been on. But I also 
tell everybody there were days when I was on the floor crying and going, what's going on in my life and why don't I have people to help me, you know? So it was important to me that when we found answers for ourselves, the deal that I made on my kitchen floor was help me to help my child and I will do whatever I can to help the next person. But remember, it's not one size fits all. So our path is not necessarily your path. In fact, not your path. Uh, There might be some intersections, right? Some places where we all meet, but everybody's path is different. So we we like to make room for that. Uh, Emily says that she just got uh, an Asperger diagnosis. And Emily, that is like absolutely fascinating. I think you're going to love today's topic. Um, it's the reason why I say fascinating is because technically um, people are not supposed to diagnose with that terminology anymore. Um, that Asperger's is, while very much still, you know, the that classification still exists, um, and many people identify as that. That new diagnoses officially don't include that title right or wrong, uh, you know, I'm not making a judgment on whether that's the way it should be or shouldn't be, but technically the now it all comes under one umbrella, autism spectrum disorder. We could spend three shows just talking about that, right? And how we all feel about that. Uh, all of it's going to dovetail so nicely with our, we're talking about our book today. Um, so, uh, but Emily, I'm I'm glad that you're here and I hope that you will find information that is helpful to you and that you will please add to the conversation going on for you. And absolutely any questions that you have or answers that you have are welcome here. Um, but that is so fascinating to me um, that that's the diagnosis that you recently got. That's I We could, like I said, whole show just about that. So, but anyway, as I said, I'm not an expert in, in autism. I'm one of those people who loves individuals and, and most especially my son, um, but many individuals on the autism spectrum and want to be an ally, which means that sometimes... I need to um, stand behind people and say, I'm with you on this. Sometimes it means I need to be a part of, you know, pointing a direction for something. And sometimes it means I'm listening and learning because none of us know everything. And I for sure don't know, you know, (laughs) I know this much of what I need to know. And I want to be a student in the front row seat. Yeah. Um, So thrilled that you guys are all here. Now, on. Mondays, we like to start the show with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani, are these experts talking about? Because the jargon can be so intensive sometimes, right? And and I know for me, when my son first got his diagnosis, I it would just piss me off. Thank you. Um, anytime somebody would start and they would start using all the alphabet words and and all these terms that no one uses in the real life, I would say, what what is wrong with you? Do I look like someone who is not overwhelmed and, and overtired? And I'm here asking for answers and you you are talking to me like I already have a degree in psychology. I would just be ticked. Uh, then I learned that if I learned the terms, if I was willing to learn them a little bit at a time so that they didn't overwhelm me, I could get further with those experts. 
I still think that experts need to phrase things in a way that we can all understand them. And I'm, I'm getting to be known as the jargon police. Cause I call people out and go, mm, excuse me. Um, because I can, I can do that, that now when I used to do it, what it would do is slow everything down. And then they would have to explain to me what was happening. And we would miss half of the appointment that I was paying hundreds of dollars for. Right. That's why we do it here on the show. First, we give you the definition, then we make fun of it in the experts who came up with those definitions when it's applicable, right? Sometimes it's not. Then we give you a working definition and we try to put it into context of why this might be important to you. Please be kind to yourself. When We have a whole playlist on YouTube that's just jargon of the day. And if somebody says something to you, write it down in your little notebook and go to the jargon of the day and see it. But when you're watching them, be kind to yourself. If you don't get it the first time, it's not because of you. It's because these terms are a little convoluted and they take some time. So today's term, which uh, Amanda has already written in, I can't believe it. We've never done this term before on the show. We've been on the air for 10 years and we've never actually taken the time to define this, but it's important to all of us. So the term is respite care. Let's take a look at what our actual definition for it is. It's probably not that bad. Temporary institutional care of a sick, elderly, or disabled person providing relief for their usual caregiver. And that's what, that's what the definition was from Oxford languages. And it's not, I don't want to make fun of this. I just want to shove it into the ocean. <laughs> Everybody get behind me. We'll just shove this right out into the ocean because I don't think it aptly, if I'm a parent of someone, a three-year-old that's on the spectrum and we just got a diagnosis and somebody says, oh, you should get respite care. If I look this up, I would run screaming for the mountains with my hair on fire. Because I wouldn't want temporary institutional care and my child wouldn't be sick, elderly, or disabled. What the heck? But here's the deal. Let's move on to our working definition and see if it is something that we would want. It's a short break for a caregiver. That's what it is. And that's why this is abso-freaking-lutely essential. We talked on the show the other day with a mom whose child is a from her eyes, who uh, is able to be, no one, no one is able to be awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week and be completely focused on making sure that another person is okay. They don't make nurses work 24 hour shifts. Navy SEALs don't work 24 hour shifts. Well, maybe Navy SEALs do, but then they spell each other. You know what I'm saying? Everybody needs a break. And if we don't get a break, we aren't our best selves for our kiddos. So most places here in the United States, and I know we have many people watching internationally, but most states here in the United States have a plan for caregivers to have respite. And respite means that a trained worker takes your child, usually it's in your home, and sometimes you can be in your home too, but in another room. And it's like I mean, I don't want to diminish it and call it babysitting because I think then we want to run for the hills too and go, I can't have a typical babysitter come because my kid needs extra things. Respite says this person is going to be supposedly trained um, to be able to deal with your child's medical and behavioral needs. I know it doesn't always work out that way, but supposedly, and often there is financial support for that to happen. And in different states, it's a different amount. But here's the kicker. 
you could have a child or a teen or an adult and, and you could be taking care of them and you could go to every single care provider. And, in, and unless you bring it up, it's possible you would never know it was available to you. Now let's think about that for a second. That is just so bass backwards, right? I, um, here in California, we have the regional centers and you wouldn't know unless you knew. It's just like, there's no billboards or signs anywhere that say, if you need help with your child, ask about regional center. You have to be on the inside track before you know that. Then you're at the regional center and you assume, oh, these people will tell me if there's something that I need to know. And some of them will, but some of them don't. And so I've met many a parent that you say, are you getting respite care? And they go, what is that? So I'm telling all of you, now you know, ask, ask regularly. Am I eligible for respite care? And ask, are there different ways that you could do it? It took me years to find out that not only were we eligible for respite care, but that there were several different ways that we could do respite care. Like if I didn't have the time to go find somebody who was trained, I could sign up with an agency who would find somebody for me and they would pay the person. Or because I'm a control freak, I liked the other one, which was where I got to find the people, I got to make sure that they were trained, and then I would take care of their hours and they would give me money and account to pay them with. And because I was a control freak, I wanted that level of control. But a friend of mine who was like, I can't take on one more thing and, and you know, be in charge of this paperwork. I just want somebody to show up at the door. But both of us were able to be accommodated within the California respite care system you have to ask for it. And it's hard. It's hard to get respite started because you got to find the right person. They got to, they got to be able to be there during the right hours and getting the system started is always hard. I don't know anybody who was like, Oh, it's just a, you know, a, a, a switch I flick. And suddenly I have really great respite care that comes. It doesn't work that way. But for people that I know that that prioritize this and go, okay, I'm going to give up some of my time right now to get some of my time back later on. It was worth it. Now, many people say the system is so hard to navigate that they just say, I can't do that. I'm going to go to my friends and family and say, I need some help and support. You know what? That works too. And sometimes that's better, easier, faster, but you have to be willing to ask. And first, you have to be able to acknowledge that you can't do it 24-7. You just can't. No one can. This is not your fault. This is not a weakness in you. No one can do this 24-7. And even if we could, can we be honest for a second and say that it would not be best for our kiddos, our teens, and our adults? They need to have other people because you know what? We're not immortal. And all of this dovetails uh, with uh, what we're going to be talking about today with this amazing book. We are not going to live forever and we need to start having a community that knows our kids, our teens, our adults that are on the spectrum, that understand love and can support them. And that starts with acknowledging that we can't do it all. This is the tough stuff. Everybody take a breath, give yourself a hug, rock if you need to, because this is hard stuff. And sometimes it literally, you know, I'm not on the spectrum, but there are times when I find myself clutching my stomach and that, you know, that, that, that movement helps me to calm myself down. 
So do what you need to do, but recognize that this is a benefit for our kids and it's a benefit for us. If you can step away and do something, now respite is not so that you can go to work. They won't pay for respite for you to go to work. Respite is for you to have a break. Some people take the break and they go take a bath. So they're still home, but they go in and they take a bath and take a book and and have a moment to themselves. I used to have friends of mine from college. There were two really dear friends of mine from college who from time to time would say, I'm going to come and I would, I'm going to give you a break. And I would go to the local scrapbooking store down the street and take my little rolling scrapbooking thing. And I would just sit there for an hour and I would scrapbook, but I would come back a better parent. Um, and people would make fun of me that you know, that's what I wanted to do with my free time. One of my friends said, if the day ever comes when I need a break and my break is to go do scrapbooking for an hour, she was like, just kill me. And of course, then she had kids and stood. Uh, Amanda says she likes to go to, to Costco. Good on you, Amanda. Um, and interesting, she says, we're thinking about doing foster care. And I was told I can start off by doing only respite care so we can get used to it. I would prefer special needs kids because they have my heart. I also need respite. Uh, I need a break so that I can go to Costco. But how amazing is that? Because if I could have had Amanda to come and do respite at my house with my kid, I would have taken a break, right? <laughs> and eventually I did have a dear friend who did respite for us. Uh, which was pretty amazing. So um, aside from the two college friends, uh, so lots of things can happen. People do this in lots of different ways, but it starts with acknowledging that everyone needs it. Everyone needs respite. Okay. And then once you acknowledge that you need it, then start asking yourself, what would it take for it to work for you? And probably there's a way to do it. Uh, if we get into that sort of mindset, I want to see dark angel says, uh, does my son know his mother? Uh, I'm his mother. Does he understand when I tell him I love him or anything emotion at all? He will be four years old this month. And I feel sad that I don't understand him. And I'm, I'm putting my arms around you. And cause says that, uh, she says, I know how you feel completely. And can I be honest with you that when my son was four, I used to ask those same questions. I, you know, and then I, it would be so hot. Do you know what I mean? Hot, like I, so emotional for me that I would sort of back off of it. And, and the big thing for me was, is he ever going to know that, you know, today is Monday? Is he ever going to have a concept that today is Monday and that I'm his mom and that I had a mom before me? And, you know, and like those, like, is he ever going to get the scaffolding of all of that? And, um, and I cried many a tear over it many a tear over it. And a good friend of mine said, you know, we have lots of jobs as parents, but job number one is to love them. And that we do that, that in lots of different ways. And we, of course, we talk on the show about love languages and that people feel love in different ways. And that, you know, some of us love to hear that we're loved. We love to hear the words. We're responsive to that. Other people, it's hugging them or a gift that you give them or something. So I would, I would just say to you that if you think about what it, how does it appear that your child and you may not be able to ask and get a definitive answer from any four-year-old, right? But there are clues. What does your child love? What interaction does your child lean into? Like when you hug them, do they burrow their head into your armpit? Like what, what is the moment 
Is there one moment that you connect in any way, shape or form? And then build on that. Think of that as a love language and double down on that. Love that child. Because I think that most adults on the spectrum will tell you um, how, how they feel, that they very much feel, and that sometimes they feel to such a point that they, because it's so hot for them that they have to back off of it. So I'm, I'm going to tell you that your child understands you maybe doesn't, isn't able to put the label of mother on it and understand the context of that, but that you are their universe right now. And, and that that is essential. And that if you weren't there, that they would feel it acutely. And that that is what we really think of as love, right? And that you are a comfort to them. But as they learn and grow, that's going to get better defined for them. So job number one, love them and find out what their love language is and speak to that. Take that moment of connection that you have and build, 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 build on that. Just this weekend, I watched the um, opening ceremony of the Olympics. And in my family growing up, the Olympics were everything we sat and watched as a family and were couch potatoes watching the Olympics, ironically. And, um, and in fact, when I was a senior in high school is when the Lake Placid Olympics were, and it was just you know, an hour away and it was a big deal. All the athletes came through our town and uh, it was a big, big deal. And I just always wanted for the Olympics to be a big deal with my son. And they weren't for a lot of years, they weren't. But I, I found a way when he was younger to connect that we would play this game that I would put the Olympics on and he didn't want to watch the ice skating, couldn't have cared less. Um, but then I would freeze it and we would, we would play freeze tag with the Olympics. So we would have to stand in the position of whatever the, the athletes were frozen in and that he loved. He would play that with me for hours. And that was our way to connect over the Olympics. And I mourned. I thought, oh, he's never going to sit and watch the opening ceremonies with me and dish on all of the outfits and everything. And guess what? On Friday night, I said, hey, the opening ceremony of the Olympics are on. Do you feel like watching it with your mom? And we sat for hours and oohed and odd over the outfits and said, oh my gosh, they look like traffic cones, those jackets, and had a blast. You can get there. If somebody had told me when he was four that we would get there, I would have been like, are you kidding? I just don't see how. We got there. Stay the course. I don't know where you're going to end up, but love, 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 love on, on your kids and know that you are essential to them. Okay? Uh, okay. Uh, I just didn't want to let that go because I wanted to spread some love. You're entitled to feel that way, but but keep keep it moving in the right direction. He knows you're there and and he may not call it mother and he may not have the same understanding as you but he but you're everything. Guarantee you. Okay. Uh moving on, we always have a question of the day for you and of course uh this goes right to what we were just talking about. Um because if if respite care is important, then the next question is are you getting it? Because you have to. And so if you're not getting it, we need to brainstorm about what kind of respite care would actually work for you. And it's not one size fits all as we've already established. And what, what one piece of action could you do today to move in the direction of it? I'm not asking you to have respite by the end of the day, but is there one phone call that you could make today? Either to, if you're in California, you have a regional center uh, representative, can you call them and say, what do I need to do to start respite care or how much respite care am I eligible for? Or call your friend down the street who's having respite care and say, what did you do to get that? 
or call, you know, your sister-in-law and say, Hey, is there any time in the next week that you could come and be with my kids so that I can go to Costco? But some action today, I'm asking you to take some action today to get yourself respite care, because you know, when we really need respite care is not the moment when we are able to go find the respite care. So I'm asking you to take some little action today. Uh, Oh, look, Dark Angel says he loves hugs and kisses. Oh, I'm telling you, if he loves that, spread that all over him. I'm sure you do. He loves you. He knows, he knows you're the center of his universe. Uh, and someday he will know that means mom someday. Uh, and he may even get it now. We don't know. But anyway, get yourself some respite care too. Cause sometimes this took me years to learn. Sometimes you have to step away for them to realize that you're there. Try that. Uh, yeah. Uh, cause, cause I was just always there. He just took it for granted that I was always there. Um, so then one day when I wasn't there, he was like, mom. And I went, Oh, Oh, he does love me. He does miss me. There we go. Uh, All right. We always have a topic of the week and then we got to get to our guest. I'm running late here, keeping him waiting. We don't want to do that. Uh, Our topic this week is, and this is the essential, right? First things first. So, you know, last week we talked about the mall map and that it's important to know where you are and it's important to know where you want to get. And when you go into the mall and you go, I want to get to Macy's, I don't know where I'm at. And you look at the map and you see the star and you go, okay, I'm here and I want to get to Macy's. That's important. You got to know where you are, got to know where you want to get to. But then you can't just teleport to Macy's. I don't understand why. I want to be able to teleport to Macy's, but I can't. So we have to start on a path. And wherever you are on the journey right now, um, you got there because you started out and you did a couple of things. Now, maybe in hindsight, you would do them in a different order, but I'm saying to you that first things first, um, means that you got to take care of yourself that, you know, this is that oxygen mask thing on the airplane that I, it's hard for me to this day when they say, if the things drop, don't put it on your child, put it on yourself first. I want to go, wait, I'd like to re-legislate that. I don't see how that makes any sense. I'm sure that I could get it on my child before I pass out. And you know what I know now from 16 years of, of being a mom? Um, well, 18 years of being a mom, but 16 years after he was diagnosed. Yeah, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first because you are of no use to your kiddo and you are of no use to anybody else unless you have the stamina to do the things you need to do. So first things first means making sure that you have, you have support. If you say to me on my list of things that are important is getting my kids support. I'm, I'm like right there with you. I get you. I, you know, same thing on my list. Right. But if you don't have support, you're going to find them a little bit of support and you're not going to be able to follow through. So first things first, and that means self-care. (laughs) the dreaded self-care thing. Um, And again, this is all going to dovetail with our wonderful guests, which I have to get to. So, you know, from time to time, people will contact us and say, there's a book and can you have the author on? And, And a friend of ours reached out to us two weeks ago and said, listen, there's a book. I just read it. You should have this on. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, of course, of course we want to have them on. What's it about? And, uh, and he says, oh, you, you know, you're going to love it. Uh, it's a book about, uh, a young man, 22 years old on the spectrum. And it's told through Yelp reviews. 
And I said, okay, uh, sounds interesting. Uh, I can't wait to read it. Tell me a little bit about the author. And uh, anyway, it started me on a journey and I'm going to welcome you uh, right now. Marcus, uh, excuse me, Marcus isn't here. Uh, but we're going to talk about Marcus. The name of the book is Free Marcus Katz. Howard Chesley, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, is going to be joining us right now. He is the author of this book. He is uh, a TV and film uh, writer. He's also an author of a book that then, you know, nominated for awards. This is his second book um, and just came out the other day. And again, it's called Free Marcus Katz. It's available on Amazon. And I said earlier, I just loved it. So I'm excited to welcome Howard uh, to be here with us. Howard, are you there? Hi, Shannon. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited to be able to talk with you. I I, I want to um, have you say just a couple of things about the book because I don't want, I could go on about it for two hours and I probably will say some things, but give people an idea. Yep. It's about this young man on the spectrum and, and it's told in Yelp reviews, but what can we say about it without giving too many spoiler alerts? Just a like brief statement about what the book is about. Well, it is about uh, a young man uh, who is indeed uh, on the spectrum. And uh, he's very happily ensconced in his uh, family's or his mother's Santa Monica uh, house. He lives in, lives in, the, in a garage apartment. Uh, and uh, he leads a very pleasant life. Uh, when his mother uh, becomes sick, and I don't think I'm giving away too much here because it's, it's in all of the blurbs, uh, when his mother becomes sick and she dies, uh, he s- finds himself in a cons- in a conservatorship situation. Uh, the court appoints a, uh, a a private conservator, and uh, they try to relegate him to a group home, and he flees. And it's all told within uh, the context of his reviews on Yelp, because he is a foodie and he loves Yelp and he loves the community of Yelp. And, the, and and so that's sort of the backdrop. Super, super clever to tell it in Yelp reviews, Howard. Gotta say, great, great concept. Oh, thank you. Um, that really, for me, was a hook. I was like, well, that's interesting. How is this going to work out? And I think, and the person who told me about the book said, you know, it's the kind of book you sit down and you read like four pages and you're in. And it's it's pretty much hard to put it down after that, it's the kind of book that you end up reading in one or two sittings because you just can't let go of it. Um, and, and that certainly was the case for me. So, you know, I think I got to start with why, Howard. Why is this the book that you decided to write for your, for your second book? Where did this come from? How did this idea come about? Well, for me, because I've been, I've written, this is, this would be my second book, but I've had a career writing screenplays and uh, TV shows. Um, and uh, they usually wind up being a combination of things. And uh, I did not start with autism. I started with conservatorship. Uh, in, uh, ni- in 2017, uh, a New Yorker writer, Rachel Aviv, uh, wrote about uh, an abusive conservatorship uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is now a famous case. And there was a uh, conservator who basically uh, manipulated the system in such a way that she took charge of two people who could have care- who could have taken care of themselves. And then she looted uh, their estate. Uh, she put them in a home. Uh, her family was not allowed to see her. 
and uh, uh, and these these rapacious conservators uh, have a way of charging you hundred dollars to get aspirin, and uh, uh, they and then you wind up having to pay legal fees to a lawyer who's not working in your own interest. So there's a hundred ways that they drain your estate. They may sell your house. It's a horrible, horrible system. It's uh, been written. There've been articles in the Los Angeles Times and another a number of other places talking about it. So I started with that. And actually, I thought maybe that I would apply to apply it to uh, to an older couple. But the second thing that came to me was, I was with my own grown son, who we take uh, uh, we take vacations together sometime, and I really enjoy them. And we happened to go to Glacier Park, and on the way, uh, we stopped in Butte, Montana, which is a wonderful town. It's um, a historic town, uh, a mining town, and it's it's. Uh, it's because it was a boomer bust town when it went bust in the in I think the 1920s, all the buildings remained the same because nobody ever bothered to to, to do anything there after that. Uh, and they have a big open pit mine called the Berkeley Pit, and we went in and paid two dollars or something like that, and we're standing on a platform, and there was a family there, and there were a mother and probably four children, and one of the chi- one of the kids was, uh, he's not a kid, he was probably 17 or 18 years old. He was talking to the family and he had so much to say about the mine and everything else that I was listening to him, you know? And I was thinking, God, this is really interesting. And they had had enough of him, you know? <laughs> they they were used to it and they had, were kind of tuned, they kind of tuned him out. And he was kind of off by himself and I, and, and I said, well, tell me about this, you know? Yeah. And he went on and he told me all the details of the history of Butte and about the mine and about when it flooded and about the characters in town. And he had days and dates and everything else. And it was fascinating. I mean, it was like a college professor, you know, a good college professor. Yeah. And, uh, and I was really taken with him. And, when, uh, and then we, we decided to move on. And uh, I said, thank you. And I gave him a $10 bill because I thought that was fair, right? And he said, oh, I can't take this. And I said, no, no, please. So he goes, he goes back, and I can see he's going over to his mom. And his mom, he shows her $10 bill, she comes back to me, she says, no, I can't take this. I can't, he can't take this money. Please take it back. And I said, no, uh, I really, really wanted to take it because you have one marvelous son. And I wasn't, I wasn't making an adjustments for who he was. I thought he was just fantastic, you know? And she said, no, really. And I said, no, really, you should be very proud of him. And tears came down her cheeks. And she gave me a hug. And it just all hit me. You know, it hit me. It, I mean, it, 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 it hits me now even when I talk about it. And so I saved that for, you know, for several years, but I, but I, but I didn't forget it. And then um, I actually started writing about conservatorship, and I thought I would do about an old couple – and then I thought about this. And then I thought about one more, th- and, and it was all backburner. You, as a writer, you backburner a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then I thought one day, because I am a sort of a foodie, and I love Yelp, and I go off to all corners of Los Angeles seeking some ethnic restaurant, and you know, in Downey or 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 or, or Santa Clarita or wherever it, wherever it may be. After my wife and I actually go. Uh, every Saturday we go off and we start with we start with an interesting lunch in some stand or truck or, or place or whatever. 
And from there, we find we go to the local park or whatever it is. But we, we've, the, the anchor of this is finding a good lunch. Um, so uh, and, I, and I write about them on Yelp from time to time. And I rely on Yelp uh, to lead me to these places. Uh, so uh, uh, anyway, somehow or other, you know, it was like a lightning bolt. Someone could tell his story through Yelp. And anyway, I put all this together. I put the autism, the conservatorship, and the Yelp foodie stuff together. And, uh, and I started writing. And you know, if you've got something good, when it's easy to write. Yeah. I have you know, several books that I've started, frankly, that I've written 40, 50 pages of. And, and I don't know where I'm going. And they kind of die out. And this practically wrote itself. And um, uh, 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 <laughs> I was surprised. It was it was a shorter writing experience than I ever anticipated for a book. Wow, fascinating! And I and I gotta address because they're going to start writing in if I don't address the elephant in the room. Even when I started talking, as I was reading it over the weekend, and I was you know calling people and going, you know, oh, you got to read this. It's really good. And and people were asking me, and they were like, so tell me a little bit about the author. They were like, is he on the spectrum? Uh, does he have a kid on the spectrum? Does he work with people on the spectrum? What is his connection to the spectrum? And because people are going to ask about that and people are going to want to know about that. Now, notably, many uh, there it's already been read and reviewed by people on the spectrum. Temple Grandin read it, loved it. Um, and people are starting to praise you for for writing in a way that seems authentic, but it's a pretty Wild West um uh, climate right now where people are are very critical when something is written about them by someone who is not on the spectrum. You are getting praise, though. How do you think this is happening? And, and what do you want to say about to that to, to, to those who might say they don't even want to read it because they are concerned about that element? What do you want to say to them? Well, uh, first, I want to say that I, I'm sensitive to this issue. And I even I considered it from the beginning. Um, secondly, is that I am a career writer, and uh, most of my most of my experience as a writer is uh, uh, writing uh, uh, TV and screenplays where you're basically writing first person. And as a matter of fact, my first book uh, was also the, we consider Yelp to be first person because he is writing what he is. You are hearing what he is saying, and uh, uh, the big. Uh, uh, the big issue for me in writing my first book was, uh, I don't know if I have a voice that I want people to hear. I'm afraid I'll use the wrong adjective, the wrong metaphor, whatever. So better I do it in somebody else's voice. It's like a disguise for myself. Um, I have had, you know, I'm not a famous writer, but I've had a good career at this. And it's largely because I'm good at that, that I can put myself in other people's heads and kind of speak for them. Not everybody, but but I'm fairly broadband about that. So um, uh, in this case, um, uh, I tr well, I, sh I should tell you something else, which is that um, there's a book which people may know called 600 Hours of Edward uh, by a guy named Craig, Craig Lancaster, which is also a, which is also a much praised book with uh, 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 an autist, uh, a, a hero who's on the, on the spectrum. And I looked at that and I thought, that's pretty good. <laughs> and it's possible. Um, so uh, uh, I just gave it a shot. And uh, I do know 
uh, I do have friends, for example, who are clearly on the spectrum. Uh, I happen to like people who are, we, we'll call them, they're, they're undiagnosed, but we all know they're on the spectrum. And uh, the, we're talking about adults now. And, uh, and I kind of know them, as I say, I like them, and I kind of identify with them. I'm, I'm, I, I consider myself neurotypical. I have quirks, you know. Uh, but, uh, uh, and also have friends with, with kids who are diagnosed and on the spectrum. Yes. And I just try to think that way. And, you know, I don't, I, I'm hesitant to try and defend this process too much because people have strong feelings about it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, I did my best and I thought that I did a pretty good job, but I thought I would put it out in the community, uh, the autistic community and see what people thought. And I really had no expectations. And it turns out that everybody thought it was pretty good. <laughs> and I mean, I was prepared for someone to say, don't even try this. You know, you know, in fact, it was the opposite. You know, I sent this book cold to Temple Grandin. I don't Tell know. us about that. How did that happen? It was so bizarre. The truth is, I was having a conversation with my sister on the phone saying, how am I going to promote this book? And she said, well, you should give it to Temple Grandin. And I said, I don't know Temple Grandin. How am I ever going to give it to you? You have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows Temple Grandin. And she said, you never know, you know, just try. I said, I don't even know how to reach her. While I am talking to her on the phone, I have my computer in front of me, and I look up Temple Grandin. And she has a website. And on the website, there's a contact form. So after I hung up with my sister, I... I, I what, uh, put a note on the contact form saying I have this book. Uh, it's about autism and conservatorship. Uh, it's told through Yelp reviews. And I never expect to hear anything back. Two days later, I get a response back saying, this sounds interesting. Send me a copy. So uh, uh, four or five days after that, my, I'm, I actually had fallen asleep in front of the television set at four o'clock in the afternoon. It's embarrassing, but that's what a writer's life is like. And <laughs> And the phone rings, and uh, and I answered kind of groggy, hello. And she says, hello, is this Mr. Chesley? This is Temple Grandin. And we we talked. Now, I, just, I, I, hope I'm not, I, I hope I'm not saying anything that's uh, – I hope I'm not putting my foot in it here. But my experience when talking to people who are on the spectrum is that I sense a little awkwardness in how they speak, which is fine. I understand it. I don't know whether to come back at them in my slick Hollywood mode, you know, which is, I mean, as, 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 as I, you can see, I clutter with my speaking, so I'm not a perfect speaker, but I have a certain enthusiasm when I speak. And I don't know, or whether I should just be like, when you're in the South and you're speaking to Southerners, how you get a drawl, you know? Yes. So I didn't know whether, how to speak back to her. And I did my best. And I think that she was just calling to see if I was a real person and what I was like and whether she could trust me. And I guess I passed that bar. Because two weeks later, uh, I got just a lovely letter with uh, a, a terrific review, which she said, and she said, you can use this in any way that you want. And I love this book. And it is quite a remarkable review. It's on, my, it's, uh, uh, on the back of the book and it's on the website. And I was just knocked out of the park, you know. Um, in addition to that, you know, I do have, I've had a lot of help when writing this. I didn't write this just completely out of my head. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, friends and neighbors, and in fact, there are some people who are uh, in autism uh, 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 groups uh, who I've asked to, to review it. 
and I've gotten a few small suggestions. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how small it is, but everybody seems to like it and think that it's authentic. And some people say, how the hell did you do it? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. But in fact, there you had... Uh... I think a very interesting thing happened because you have a neighbor that has some similarities in some ways that there was that they that shares a love of something with Marcus. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, Marcus, uh, besides besides loving food, uh, particularly loves airplanes, and uh, his uh, and he's uh, I just came out of whole cloth, right? I thought, oh well. He should have an obsession. What would his obsession be? Uh, airplanes is a, is, is a relatively common one. I know a little bit about airplanes. I had actually once written a script about airplanes. So I thought that would be good. Well, so uh, when you meet him, uh, you know, he works, at the, he's a, he works at the Santa Monica Library. He's also a docent at the Santa Monica Museum of Flying, which happens to be just up the street from me. I live near, I live near the Santa Monica Airport. And it's a, it's a wonderful little museum. And, uh, and uh, also, uh, I, this, this is how you combine things. Um, I took the idea of the boy in Butte, Montana, who, who, who described the, 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 uh, the uh, uh, copper mine. And I, I put it into the museum. And I said, oh, well, he's in the museum. Uh, this is his first time. And there's a, there's a mother there with her child, and they have an uh, an airplane in this museum, which is an old FedEx airplane, a Boeing 727, that you can actually go in the cockpit, and they give a flight uh, checklist, and you can go down the checklist, and they have all the controls there. And the mother goes there with her son, and uh, uh, he's really interested. He's young, and uh, but she doesn't know what to do. And Marcus steps in and helps the son. And the mother is flabbergasted and is very grateful and gives him some money. And then afterwards, uh, the, uh, uh, the person uh, who is managing the museum comes over to him and says, how do you know so much about airplanes? Well, I'm interested. And would you like to be a docent here? Because you'd be great. And so he becomes a docent at, uh, 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 at the Santa Monica Museum. I, what, was the, what was the question? I forgot the question. Oh, well, I know. Now I remember. Now I remember. Your neighbor. So, uh, anyway, so I wrote this scene, and then I have a neighbor who has an autistic son. He's a lovely person and a very nice boy. And I went over specifically to show her the, to, to show her the script and to as, get get her impressions. And uh, uh, and as we're talking, she says, uh, "I said, you know, he likes airplanes." She says, "Oh, my son likes airplanes." And I said, "Well, that's interesting." Uh, she says, "As a matter of fact, he's a docent." <laughs> Santa Monica Museum of Flying, and I said, "You're not going to believe this." And you're probably, and, and if I give you the script now of the book now, you're going to think that I ripped off your son, right? But so I read it to her, and 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 not only described his experience at the at the museum, but I had created. I thought about well, what would happen? Well, there'd be some nice guy who brings donuts in the morning. Well, in fact, in the Santa Santa Monica Museum. Um, the guy who runs thing brings donuts every morning to the crew. So um, anyway, it's uh, uh, I guess fascinating. It's life fascinating. Art, art uh, living right next door to you, and you didn't even know. Uh, so uh, you know, we we've talked a little bit about how the book came to be. It's, but I just want to make sure that people know this is such a lovely, beautiful story 
I think for some of us who are parents, it's a, it's a bit of a nail biter because I, I'm sure you can imagine Howard that it's every parent's, you know, and I'm sure it's like this, whether you have neurotypical children or children on the spectrum, but there's the fear of what happens when we're no longer here. Yeah. And, and some people take this challenge head on and they try to put things in place for their kiddos. I got to say that, um, you know, one of the things that Temple Grandin says about the book is that it's eye opening and it certainly is. I think that it is required reading for all of us because in the book, the, it seems like to me, the mom has done a bang up job of trying to figure out what happens to Marcus when she's no longer there and that she took all the, you know, the best possible steps and that there even is some money to take care of him. But there were just some things that I don't think that we would think of that go horribly wrong and that leave poor Marcus in a position where he uh, is forced to break out of the cocoon that he's been in, but really, I think, discovers himself. It's just beautiful. The telling of it is very beautiful. You're a very talented writer. Um, and, and you know, you find yourself in a position where you are so in love with Marcus and, and he becomes so real to you. I don't want to give things away, but later on in the book, there there is a scene... Um, that was so just so in my heart, Howard, and um, where where people have an opportunity to stick up for Marcus. And and I'm telling you, as a reader, you count yourself as being in the scene. Um, uh, and it's just a very emotional uh, moment. I, I think it's a call to action for all of us. Um, but it is just a delightful, delightful journey that the book takes you on. So you will thoroughly enjoy it. You will laugh out loud. You will more than likely cry, get the hankies because there's, there's stuff that happens, but it is, um, you know, when I think about all the things that we want for a story that, that tells, uh, you know, as you say that it, it that he is a hero, um, that tells the story and puts someone from our community in the firmly in the hero cockpit. Um, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Thank you so much. So um, I, I am proud of it. I, I, I really you should be. It's absolutely beautiful. Now it just came out the other day. What yes. day did it come out? It came out February 1st. So Jordan has just joined us and says, what book is this? This is Free Marcus Cat." I am a fool. You know, that anybody who has more experience with this than I do will hold up the book or, or actually, in fact, will have it on their desk so that everybody can see it. But here yeah. it is. It's, uh, there it is. Free Marcus Katz. Free we Marcus also had a picture of it up on the screen earlier. You can get it on Amazon. There it is. Um, you can get it on Amazon and the entire... Well, the majority of the book, I will say asterisk. Um, thank you. Rachel's ordering the book right now. The entire book is told uh, Yelp reviews with just a couple of notable exceptions. Um, but it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's clever beyond belief. It's a fast read. You will find yourself not being able to put it down because you will want to know what happens to Marcus. I loved that... Uh, Marcus is there, there was plenty of room for Marcus to be a victim in this. And you just didn't allow that to happen, Howard. 
And I really, really appreciated that. Um, that, that Marcus kept showing up for himself in his life and that we get a, a really an insider's view of what's happening, even when he's having his most difficult moments. Um, and I just thought it was really thought provoking and beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so I'm, I'm encouraging you, everybody should read this. It's a great gift to give to people too, because I think, I, I think sometimes we don't know what to do when there are people in our lives on the peripheral that are, you know, it's like your, your sister-in-law who doesn't really get your kid. Um, and you don't really know what to do to help her to get it. Uh, get her this book, uh, and, and tell her that your kid is maybe different than Marcus because everybody is different, but I think it's really accessible for people who don't know about autism, that maybe it will open a door for them to understand that we need more people in our community, um, to rally around our kids. So, uh, I'm going to say that, but, uh, Howard, what, what is next up for you with this book? It's only been out a couple of days. What's, how are you going to get this to the public? Well, it's, well, thank, thank you to begin with. And, uh, you know, we're going to be promoting it. Thank (laughs) you so much. You know, my last book, uh, which I'm also very proud of, uh, was a was a was a Booker Prize nominated book. It was a darker, more serious, more adult book than this one is, and I was very proud of it. And and it's a small press; they don't do they don't do a lot of uh, of marketing. And I, I sold copies, but not I, in my estimation for a Booker Booker Prize nominated book, it didn't sell that many. And I swore that I was going to try and do better this time. And so I've been reaching out. Uh, uh, in this particular case, I think it's, I, I have a bit of an advantage, which is that it, it reaches out to the autism community. It reaches out to the uh, conservatorship abuse community, of which there is a substantial, substantial number of people. Uh, and uh, I should add that the court is not necessarily your friend in dealing yeah. with conservatorships. Oh, yeah, no. And, uh, and also, the people who I haven't even gotten to yet are, are the uh, Yelp community, which uh, um, I think there's something like, I don't know, a billion Yelpers or something, something like that. And, and uh, I haven't and even like it. I'm sorry? Uh, they will love this, too. I also uh, want to say it's very so. empowering to women on the spectrum as well, this book. Um, and, uh, you know, I particularly love that aspect of it. And I, the employment and how important it is for, for individuals on the spectrum to have employment and the right support and to listen to them for support. And I do think that it it sent a shiver down my spine to realize that even you can do everything right. Um, but if, if you don't have other things in place that a conservatorship could go so horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, I had no awareness that that could happen to our kids. I'd heard about it with the elderly, Howard, um, but I I had not thought about the fact that it could happen with our kids, and it w- it really was uh, eye opening to me. Just 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 as a bit of information, uh, the easiest way to get knocked into one of these things, I can tell you this from stories that I have heard, uh, is that uh, you have someone who may or may not need a conservatorship. You are a parent. Let's say you are the parent. You are divorced parents. And one has one idea of how to do it, and another one has another idea of how to do it. You go into court, you ask for a conservatorship. You're you're each asking for it. The court looks at it and says, "I don't want to. You, I don't want to be involved with warring parties. We're going to inv- we're going to 
uh, uh, mandate that an outside professional conservator uh, will be in charge. And then there ain't nothing you can do. It's, the probate court sure. is not like regular court. Uh, it's a nightmare. It's almost impossible to undo this stuff. If you as a conservative try and undo it, they have already appointed a lawyer for you who you have to pay, maybe $400 an hour, who's not necessarily working in your interest. I could go on, but... Uh, it's uh, horrible. Horrible. Uh, so the main thing is to make sure that while you're alive, you work it out and get it signed, sealed, and delivered. Who is the conservator then so that that cannot be contested? Is that the thing? No, well, the not necessarily. Show. And I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, and I really don't want to give that kind of advice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, one thing which uh, I would uh, uh, suggest is to look, under, look to supported decision-making yeah. Uh, if you have someone who's who, who's relatively, if, if, if the person is relatively able and, and in general able to bottom line, take care of themselves, which Marcus is he, with, with all of his quirks and, and, and issues, uh, then uh, a group of people, which you can choose yourself, uh, it can be uh, whomever you like uh, that will that will advise you if you have a financial decision or, or an education decision or whatever, and you can rely on them and you can trust them. But bottom line is that you are responsible for yourself. If 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 that makes sense in terms of um, in terms of who we're talking about, that is a that is a wonderful solution, and I would suggest people look into it. This is this is kind of in the area. I was surprised that Temple Grandin said, "Open my eyes," because I thought everybody you know who was who, who was seriously involved with autism would know about this, but in fact, not everybody does. I've, I, but yeah. I have talked to people who've gotten in nightmare scenarios. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think very few people know Howard. So anyway, book, you know, we've talked about the more serious aspects of, of it, but it's really beautiful. You guys, you will thoroughly enjoy it. It's it's a journey book. You go on the journey with Marcus and you will love Marcus. It's a road trip. It's a, it's, it's, it is a road trip. Yeah. And um, you'll be you'll be cheering him and and you will absolutely love it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I get asked to read a lot of books, Howard, as as I'm sure, you know, and I, you know, do my level best. And, you know, and and here and there I have to skim and whatever. It is the rare book that I go cancel everything else. I'm going to sit with this book. Oh. <laughs> That's what I did on Saturday. And it really was one day. And I was like, everyone else go away. I'm reading this book. I don't want to hear from you. Um, and it was just lovely. Music so it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, again, you can, the name of the book is free Marcus cats. That's what the cover looks like. It's delightful, quick read. Uh, you will enjoy it. I'm encouraging you get one on Amazon, uh, today, but also I would encourage you to get a couple of them and, and give them to the people that you just aren't connecting with about the autism thing to start the conversation. And uh, Howard, is there someplace else besides Amazon? Do, yes, do you want to send that to you? Barnes and, Noble, and it, it is available in, Bar in Barnes and Noble. And okay. also uh, your local bookstore should be able to order it. Some of them, uh, some local stores, uh, I believe Diesel and Book Soup will be carrying it, but you can certainly call them up and ask for it. And if they don't have it in stock, they should be able to order it. And do you have an author website that you want to send people yes, to? Yes, I do. Uh, it's Howard Mark Chesley. Uh, that's, uh, let's see, there are two C's in it. That's the difficult part, but it's Howard Mark Chesley dot com www.howardmarkchesley.com it has reviews it has press releases it has a little video on it 
if you look further, you can find you can find my other book there if you want to buy it. Uh, but it's got everything you want to know on it. Fantastic. We have so much more we could talk about, but we are way out of time. We've actually gone three minutes over. But Howard, thank you so much for taking the time um, to talk with us about this book, which is just lovely. Thank you. Thank so you for much. liking my book. Really, I, 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 I didn't it, like it. It means I loved a lot. It. it really means a lot. Well, I, I I loved it a lot. So there we go. All right. You have a wonderful day and we'll be talking soon. Thank you. And uh, I want to say to everybody out there that uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Live tomorrow is Ask Dr. Doreen on, on the Autism Network. Dr. Doreen Grampichet will be with us to answer your questions live. You can be sending in live questions now. You can do that by either emailing me or at S, no, Shannon at autism-live.com. Or you can write them in the chat right now at autism-live.com. That's where I go for the first couple of questions. And then, of course, we'll also take live questions tomorrow. On Wednesday, I'm so sad. I, I am so excited about Wednesday because I think for the first time ever, we are having Rachel Bird on the show on Wednesday. Rachel is just one of the, my most favorite people on the face of the planet. and one of my closest friends at this point in my life. And I don't know how I would have made it through COVID without her. She is an amazing, amazing mom. She's, we've had her son on the show several times. She's the amazing mom of Kobe Bird, the actor from The Good Doctor and from Lock and Key, right? Uh, But we've never had Rachel on, which is just crazy to me. And she, I keep telling her, you need to have a book. She needs to have her own show. Stop. I mean, she should just have her own show. She uh, she has a wonderful Instagram that you guys will love. That's called Small Kitchen Big Flavor. She makes the most incredible gluten-free, dairy-free food. It's seriously off the chain. And But she also is this just this amazing person. She's good at everything she does. She could put Martha Stewart to shame. You know what I'm saying? Uh, she's just a crafter. She does all kinds of things. And she's just one of my favorite funny people. So we're going to talk about food and friendships and, and all of that thing on Wednesday's show. First time we're having her on. I just, um, I'm so excited about that. And then on Thursday, we are having Becky Estep, who is an amazing mom who uh, we haven't had her on the show for like nine years. She'll be part of our Autism Family Portraits uh, series on Thursday with Nancy Allspaugh Jackson on Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. That's our week. Uh, So I hope you guys will join us for the rest of the week. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.